BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. You know, I had to take off from the podcast on Wednesday, but I got a really good show for you guys to catch up on to make up for it right now. And coming up on today's show, I'm going to tell you about some rumors of a boxing fight between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. I'm also going to go back to something I said last week about Leon Edwards cheating against Kamara Usman+. Plus. I'm going to give you my official prediction for Saturday's main event between Surreal Gone and Ty Duyabasa that's coming to you out of Paris. All of that in a moment. Let's begin with this. I made a piece where I called Leon Edwards a cheater. Yeah, I did. Cheater, I suppose, would be a different word. I said that he cheated. We want to be real correct on this. Let's go ahead and be real correct on this. Now, I celebrated what Leon did, and I got no problem with luck. I would like a story to be told accurately. And the first time I've ever personally lived through and witnessed this fake news thing that we hear about all the time was Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather that I was at. It was not sold out. It was not the colossal night of business that it is presented. I watched news crews in the building that's got a whole bunch of empty seats telling the world that it was sold out. Why'd they do that? Why'd they tell them it's sold out? You don't have to mention that. You got the right to promote. You got the right to build. You got the right to embellish when you're storytelling. What was the advantage of that? They then came out with a whopper of a lie of how many pay-per-views. I mean, just a colossal whopper of a lie. But that is on, right, you have something known as an industry standard. That is the boxing industry standard. Whatever a press release says they did is what they did. So the biggest boxing fight of all time, if you guys were going to look it up right now, is whoever wrote the dishonest press release that was more dishonest than the next guy that put out a dishonest press release. All right, fine. Again, you do have an industry standard, but I, sh- I share that with you because when stories aren't told accurately, I just don't know why. I don't see it as a, a pejorative to say lucky. Some people do. He got lucky. I like luck. I believe in luck. Some people say it's not real. Many other people say the harder I work, the luckier I get. I don't know anything about it. 
I just know there has been times in competitions that I've been at since I was nine years old when I was on the mat opposite somebody who was better than me, and I won. I would catch them on their back. I would catch them in a submission. I would be losing the contest and be able to get one of these finishes, and you win, and it's luck, or at least what I call luck. I don't see that as bad. It doesn't take away from it for me. I think when a guy says something like, I want my opponent at his absolute best, I want him to have the greatest night of his life, I think you're now a weird guy. That's what I think. I I don't care if a guy cheats and gets caught and you got to win that way. I've walked to the mat plenty of times and the other guy didn't show up and it's something called a forfeit. I didn't feel any different. When I called home, I told my mother I'm in the finals. So I don't fully understand that luck business. To hear about Leon's kick and how perfect it was, and for me to correct that and tell you that kick could have been set up, that kick could have been thrown, and that kick would have landed, Kamar Usman is still the champion, is true. Kamar Usman is no longer the champion because when that kick was set up and when that kick was thrown, Kamara dipped into it. Kamara's own body movement is why he is no longer the champion of the world. That's the true story. And it was a beautiful one. It warmed my heart for Leon because I know about luck and I know what dreams are made of. And I know 80% of success is just showing up. And I preach this to the kids that I coach with. I know that what Wayne Gretzky said is one of the truest things that ever, ever I've heard in sport, which is you miss every shot that you don't take. And the more you throw up against the board, just by the numbers, the better chance that you have. I loved what Leon did. I loved that moment for him. I said that he cheated to get there. Now, I was met with a massive resistance. In all fairness, there's times I sit in this chair and I tell you guys something, I think that I'm spitting out gold. And you guys aren't as interested as I thought you'd be. And there's other times when I just make comments and they go and do something crazy. My average piece on YouTube in a four-day period is right around 300,000 of you. Well, listen, the Leon piece overperformed. That number did about a half a million. And I will tell you that that kind of surprised me. I'm not certain that a half a million people watched the fight. I know a half a million people didn't buy it. Now, you understand one guy buys it and three or four come over. I don't know that a half a million watched the fight. So it surprised me that a recap 10 days after the fact, I can't talk about any fight that was 10 days ago. 10 days after the fact that it, it, it had such incredible interest, there was a movement. There was a movement by a small group in England to have me banned from YouTube for misinformation. Now, I assume that's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, but this was in the comment section, and this was real, and they were trying to gain steam. They were trying to figure out how to do it. I only share with you, I didn't know this was going to be so salacious. Now, I got to go back and watch the fight. People told me I had it wrong. They said I was wrong to do that. You must understand, and I, I'm sure that you smart marks do. I know I know the two of you with the window sheen do. The story that I was telling was building up to the trilogy. And my entire point here was that let's make sure we tell this accurately before we get to the trilogy. 
I have this same consistency as it pertains to Charles Oliveira, by example, who is not the world champion. I don't know why Daniel Cormier and other people in positions of informational authority inaccurately refer to him as the champion. I don't know why they do that. You're not serving him. You're not serving Islam. You're not serving the audience. You're helping nobody. It's a vacant title. That's accurate. Let's just tell a story accurately. So I got to go rewatch the fight. People told me I got it all wrong. I got the wrong guy. Matter of fact, it was Kamar Usman that was cheating. Shale, you saw it wrong. When Herb Dean broke that, now you got to understand what cheat means, okay? Now that's a very strong word of which I admitted to. And then I openly asked you, give me another one. There's rules that were broken, that were caught, that the judge turned his decision in on. If you don't want to call that cheat, please give me another word. But if you don't want to call it cheat, you haven't looked up the definition of cheat. And we have varying degrees. I understand we have that in law as well. I understand that jaywalking and murder are very different. But you you would also understand where somebody that was using a vernacular could call them both crimes, yes? Do, do we understand that? And if you have a different word, feel free to submit it, but you haven't. So I got to go back and rewatch this fight. People are telling me I saw this wrong. People tell me I remember it wrong. That'd be a weird, weird experience for me. But it's possible. All right. Well, as we get a little bit further into it, the people that were very upset that I said that did not actually deny that it was right or deny that Leon cheated. They wanted that met with an equal and opposite reaction that Kamar also cheated and Kamar cheated just as many times. So I've been sent clips of Kamara grabbing the fence. It was Leon grabbing the glove. It was Kamara grabbing the fence. And Chael, that's where you have it wrong. So I went and rewatched the fight. Could this possibly be? My friends call me Steel Trap. I've never tasted alcohol in my life, but it's very relevant. I don't ever forget anything. We'll have nights out from college. We'll have nights out from school. The boys can't remember. They need me to come in and tell them the story. I don't forget anything. I'm just, I'm known for that. And this was only a week ago. I go rewatch the fight. You guys convinced, you, you gaslit me to the point that maybe that I saw it wrong. Now, you, you must understand, and we're not splitting hairs here. This isn't some kind of a logistical game. These are the rules and I'm explaining them, okay? Matt Linlin got the nickname The Law. Matt Linlin bit a guy's ear, Okay. That match was protested and went to the Supreme Court. Now, when you get there, you're reading transcripts. They don't play the actual match. They have to play the transcripts. The referees tried to job out Linlin because Linlin bit the ear. They decided on their own, which is completely corrupt, but they decided on their own that Matt Linlin's bite of the ear was bad for the sport. And if we call it and we disqualify it, which we absolutely should do, but it would be bad for the sport. So let's just finish the match. There's still 90 seconds. Let's just finish the match. But let's all agree now, no matter what happens, Matt loses and Keith wins. This is what they decided. 
But when they got to court because Matt protested it, they do not get to say that Matt bit the ear. Why? Why couldn't they bring that up? Because they didn't rule that he did. They were the decision makers in this situation. And when Matt bit the ear and they went and reviewed it and they did not caution and they did not take a point and they did not disqualify all remedies for breaking a rule, when they did not do that officially, right? Do you see the difference? OJ killed two people. OJ is not a murderer. I mean, do you see the difference when the decision comes? That's it. Do you, do you see the difference? Okay. Herb Dean broke the action. Herb Dean, right, you guys are sending me clips of Camaro grabbing the fence, or you're sending me clips of Leon holding the gloves. You can say that that was against the rules, and I will listen. You cannot say that it was cheating. Cheating calls for a different determination made by somebody in authority. Herb Dean broke the action and returned the fighters to a position because he caught Leon cheating. That's accurate. That happened. And how you're tying that into me taking away from Leon? Why would you put that I'm, I live in the gray. I created the gray. I'm not even insulting him. I'm telling the story the way that it happened. And the fact that Kamara Usman never did and he never cried foul ball. He never said a word. I have been in that spot and I handled it the way Kamara did. I never said a word. I didn't have a problem with it, even though it happened. It was a fist fight in a steel cage. I understood. But I got a lot of credit for it. Man, that, what a really good guy. Wow, he doesn't make excuses. Wow, he really, you know, I thought this guy was a trash talker. He's actually a really good sport. Post I got a lot of credit for it. Kamara never got his credit. Kamara's not said a word. And it went to the point that somebody got Herb Dean to speak on it, and Herb Dean can't, and he said that it did not impact or change the fight. Well, see, we're, we're already going down a very different road. You drawing a conclusion that there was an implication that it changed the fight, that sets the stage for the trilogy. That's between them if they would like to tell that part of the story. I accurately identified it, and that's a, that's a very different point. Something egregious happened. It was seen by the referee. There was a break in the action and a determination was called. Unlike the bite of the ear, unlike OJ slashing him up, a decision was made by the person in authority. That's called cheating. That's a strong word. It's a very, very strong word. I don't apologize for it and I'm right to have used it. some more thoughts of mine on the previous pay-per-view and I'll absolutely have things to say about UFC 279 but that's going to be next week. I want to skip ahead to UFC 280 and one of the most anticipated main events of all time. Charles Islam. Couldn't be more excited. I could not be more excited. I don't love anything that Charles has done from a marketing standpoint. I don't. Charles is a dork. He's shown up with these big glasses on. He changes his hair, right? The big problem on Charles Oliveira is you, you don't recognize him. I'm going back, of course, but there's a problem in his career. Charles is not new. Charles is a veteran. I haven't fought since I don't know when. I was fighting with Charles. 
I mean, it's just one of these things. He, he shows up to the ring looking one way, he goes to the press conference, he looks another way, he never has anything interesting to say, he, he didn't try to master the language. There was just a many things that were misses that took a slow road, but damn it, if you take the long road, when it works, it works. A fine example, if you guys are, are old-time fans like me, Chuck Liddell became and is a monk still to this day, the most recognizable figures in the world for MMA. You saw, you knew. You got the tattoo, you got the handle, but he used to do this thing with his hands. The Iceman shorts. People were dressing up as Chuck Liddell for Halloween. I've only seen that one other time. It was Rampage. People would put on the chain and be ran for Halloween. They were dressing up as Chuck Liddell, but it was the long road. Chuck played second fiddle. He stood back. There was a period of time where a grown man with a mohawk was weird. It's true. Tito Ortiz was there. It was one of these things. It took a while. Boy, when it came around, Chuck took no shortcuts. Chuck couldn't have done it the hard He did it the hard way. But when it worked, it worked. And I only use the Chuck example because there's many misses with Oliver along the way that took so long to get here. But boy, is it working. And then you have him with Islam. The single greatest thing Islam has is Ali. And the next single is he has the endorsement of the king as heir apparent to the throne. Charles is coming for both of them. Charles is coming for it all. He is looking to take everything. He is looking to become the greatest ever. I think he's got eight losses. I believe those eight losses, they were all finishes by a matter of fact. He does not. That rules don't apply. That was then. This is now. I mean, I am, I'm into Charles. I got to tell you. I called the guy a dork. I, I'm into the guy. Big. I'm into him. And I do wonder, when you have a bit of a dud, I know I'm using strong language, but I'm trying to prove a point. I'm not trying to put anybody down. When you have a bit of a dud and you put him with another dud, they can rise evenly. It's very tough in this sport to create a star. And every time we've had them and we left, and I do mean every time, people began to dance on the grave of Dana White and the UFC. And I mean every time. When Randy Couture left, it is over. And they asked him that. When George St. Pierre left, it is over. And they talked to Dana about this. When Ronda Rousey left, when Brock Lesnar left, all of them. When they are gone, what are you going to do? Here's the thing that people don't understand when they're trying to build stars, and Dana does. I have them right now. I don't need to go search the streets of Cuba. I don't need to go to an Eastern Bloc search with a scout. I don't need to go study tapes coming over here from Asia. I got them right now. But when you have press conferences, is where these guys are built. It's 100% where they're built. As much as that drives you crazy and you think it's about to punch us in the kick, they're built at the press conferences. If you have a star present, he'll suck all the air out of the room. It's not new. This isn't like a unique thing. Vince McMahon was done. Billionaire team Ted Turner came in, bought all of his writers, bought his cameramen, bought his referees, bought Hulk Hogan. Took them all. 
took the next best thing and the next thing after that. Took Hall and Nash. He took them all. He took the macho man. Let an opportunity for a young man named Steve Austin to get his attention. Which led to an opportunity, because now the stars are gone, for a young man named The Rock to get his attention. Vince already had him. Already had him under contract. Just couldn't get him in front of me. He'd bring him, he'd put him in the press conferences, Hulk Hogan would take all the questions, just by example. You have these stars, you put them on stage, but Conor McGregor's sitting up there. Why'd you bring the rest of the guys in? They sit there and they look like fools. Until you remove Connor and questions start going somewhere else and somebody else starts to rise to the top. But it's very interesting. It's an interesting concept that I bring up because I do not know that Charles versus Islam would be as sought after as it is if they were not on equal footing. Which even if I'm putting them down and saying they're not these big marketing stars... I'm trying to tell the story accurately, and because they were on even footing, they're getting equal airtime, and they're getting listened to equally. One guy is not sucking the air out of the room and drowning the other guy out. And I'm just observing this. That's all I'm doing. I'm, I'm attempting to study it. I'm attempting to form my theory. Now I have a hypothesis. I just laid it out for you. I don't have a theory yet because I don't have my facts. But I think it's something that's very helpful. And Charles Oliveira has taken this in a very interesting direction. I love when guys do this. When you start getting a guy talking about... Charles Oliveira is a three-to-one dog, by the way. I mean, he's a three-to-one under... It has infuriated him. That is what a competitor is. He is bothered by you, by the betters. He truly is. And when you get these press conferences, this kind of stuff's fun, right? You get the angles, you get, you get these conference calls, you get these statements starting to be made. You want to talk about, oh, i got to get him to the ground. You want to talk about, oh, he hasn't been deep. You want to talk about, he hasn't been in there with the opponents, and i got a right hand, and I can switch to southpaw. You want to start talking about these things. Charles Oliveira did none of them. He talked about the location, says he get a screw job. I loved it. Charles Oliveira has now done five, and that's a literal number, interviews, complaining about the fact that he's going to Abu Dhabi. That is interesting to me. And he laid out his case. This is where Islam is huge. This is where he sought out for. This is where the money is. This is where his demographic is. Don't bring up he's from Dagestan. If we're fighting in Abu Dhabi, we're fighting on his home soil. He hasn't earned it. I have. He was not the champion. I was. I want the fight in Brazil. As a matter of fact, there's a date in Brazil in January, and I was lobbying for it, and Islam and his team came in and fought hard to not have to do it and to get it on home soil in Abu Dhabi. Is any of that true? I mean, he's from he's, he's a young man about Islam, but he's a young man from Dagestan who's training in San Jose. Is Oliveira even right? And he was talking about the judges should it go to a decision. But I believe we're going to fly judges over there. I believe you're going to see uh, uh, Saul uh, D'Amato, just by example. You're going to see Patricia Jarman. You're going to see Super Judge Douglas Crosby, just by example. I don't know who the judges are. What, what I'm saying is we don't, you know, you go to Iowa. We, we, don't, we don't grab three locals from Iowa. That's, that's not the way that it works. They get brought over and they've got credentials and they've earned their way into main events. I don't even know if Charles's gripe is accurate. It's interesting.
he won't let it go. First time he said it, I heard it. What went in in one ear, not the next, but I heard it. I, I heard his point. Second time, third time. He's now said it five times. This is this means something to him. Let's put a chip on his shoulder. An angry Charles Oliver is a very interesting proposition. I have seen Charles Oliver look very good. I believe in Charles Oliver. There's a very skilled man. I have never seen the Charles Oliver that Justin Gaethje had to deal with. What was the difference? Half a pound? No. Took his belt. It took his belt. He felt it was unjust. That's what happened. He was mad. And they'll tell you to not fight with emotion, and they'll tell you not to fight angry. And that can sound real good in a broad stroke. But the greats know what make them tick. Greats know themselves well enough to know the position that they have to create, even if fictional. But if you believe it, it becomes true. And Charles Oliveira is angry about the location. That's interesting to me. And should we take anything more from it? I believe I just hit it on the head and we're all done here. I believe it's an anger. It's a chip. I've been disrespected. I'm a three-to-one dog. You took my belt away. F you all. I believe that's what it is. But there's other people that believe that he's laying a foundation should he go to a decision and it be adverse. I wouldn't, I wouldn't turn those people away. I think that's all fair game. It's all speculation, right? This is poetry when it comes out of his mouth and we got to go and interpret it. But it's fun. It's very fun. He's never talked once about, I got to keep him on his feet. He's never talked once about, I brought in wrestlers and I could defend his takedown. He never talked about once I brought in so-and-so and I'm defending cage work. He's talking about, I am the champion, three to one's BS, and I don't want to fight him over here. I should be fighting him in January in Brazil. And the only reason we're doing this is because he out me behind the scene. You guys got a problem with any of that? Would you rather hear what I just said? Or would you rather hear about he's got to step his foot over here and he's got to get in shot and got to dig to the body? Come on. Come on. Charles and Islam, equal footing. I know I put them down. I know I said they're both dead. They're not now. But they rose up together, right? A high tide rises all ships. And when you match people that are accordingly, not records, not when These guys' records aren't even remotely close, by the way. Islam is as close to undefeated as you can be. I believe is at 16 and 1. He got, he got a 1 in there somewhere. Charles has lost 8 fights. That's just off the top of my head. He might have lost 10. He might have lost 11. And I'm sharing with you, they're not on equal footing. They're on equal footing in the terms of recognition, of the media, of the masses, of how many headlines can they get, of how many reporters have they gone on an equal day. And they're rising each other up evenly. Moving over to the boxing ring, Jake Paul has been searching for an opponent for some time. And now we're getting word that he might have a big fight to look forward to in October. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. Guys, what do you want to do? I'm going to put myself over here just for a minute if you're one of the two loyal fans. And you'll know this, but we talked about this yesterday. We just talked about, okay, look, here's what Jake Paul did. I'm getting Quick walk down memory lane back 24 hours ago. Jake Paul had put out a statement. I don't like it. He said, I'm going to fight in October. He gave a very specific date. He said, I've inked, that was his word, I've inked a boxer. He's a pro. 
with a winning record didn't tell us who it was. Now, when I say I don't like it, I want everything at once. I just want everything at once. This is the second time I've ever seen this done. Both were done by Jake. First was done at Madison Square Garden, where it turns out he's going to fight Will Flurry. But he didn't tell us. And I think he didn't tell us not for a big reveal. I don't think he had it done yet. And that's okay, but you see how that ended. The other side, as he was doing it this time, I, go, I don't think he's got this done yet. Now, I was wrong, and I told you this in the piece. I told you in the piece, unless he has Anderson Silva. I told you very specifically, you can't keep a secret in this business. You can telephone, telegraph, or telefighter. The word will get out. And if you're going to take somebody from the boxing community, you're going to change that person's life. They got to tell somebody. I mean, it could be mom. It could be the sweetheart. You got to tell somebody, right? That's an exciting day. I'm going to be a millionaire. And by the way, in 45 days, I mean, wow. And then I even said, unless the opponent's Anderson Silva. But the reason for that is Anderson knows that game. Anderson has grown up through the Ultimate Fighting Championship, understanding the importance of keeping your mouth shut until the right moment. And Anderson's had massive fights, and Anderson has millions of dollars. I mean, it's one of those things where it wouldn't be something that he would just have to tell. And I tell that to you, and I will admit that I went as far as to say, I don't think it's Anderson Silva. The reason I didn't think it was Anderson Silva is I don't know that I believe that Jake was willing to do the veteran athlete. Jake has made it very clear that your opinion of him matters. He listens to what you say. And I thought just in that vein, now there's exceptions to that, my goodness. If he wanted to, he'd go even further. He wants to get in there with Iron Mike Tyson. We're not going to question that, right? He won't go in there with Iron Mike. I don't care if he's 56 years old. Yeah, okay. And I think that Anderson falls into that same category. I think that Jake Paul deserves a lot of credit. I really do. He is proving himself. Signing a contract to fight Anderson Silva, it puts you in a different category. It really does. It puts you in a different category of courage and what you're willing to do. And Jake does not have enough experience to go and step in there with a multi-time world champion. Do you believe Jake Paul? Is he 24? He was, but this experiment started a while ago. Is he 26? Okay. Do you believe he has the experience, just the time in the ring, just enough time competing to be in a locker room with a sold-out arena a number of feet away, cameras coming from all over the world, and a ring sitting there waiting for you. I mean, this is a massive thing just to be able to go out there and do it. Do you think he has the experience and the time with four times in the ring, twice against MMA guys, once against a slam dunk champion, and once against what I believe was a boxer. Uh, I apologize, a rapper. Do you think he has what it takes to do that and protect himself at all times against Rich Franklin? Do you think that Jake Paul has what it takes to sit in the back, wait till the end of the night, have a sold-out arena, and put everything, including your body, health, and reputation, on the line against Chris Levin. Do you think he has what it takes to go right now toe-to-toe with Forrest Griffin? It's an interesting question. 
because what he's going to go and do is a proven step above everything that I just gave you. A proven and meaningful step above. I just think he deserves credit for that, right? He he wants to be recognized. This is important for him. We didn't know that. None of us knew that and none of us believed it. And I don't think Big Brother Logan is... I think Big Brother Logan wants to have fun. I think he enjoys this. I saw Big Brother Logan get not... I mean, just to tell... These are tough guys. You guys don't like to admit they're tough guys. I saw Big Brother Logan fight and get knocked out and have a smile on his face as he fell to the ground with Paulo Costa. For nothing. For a workout and the experience and to see how we could do. And I'm okay if that's what Jake wanted to do too. I, I just really feel that Jake has proven to us in no uncertain terms, that's not what he's here to do. He is here to compete. And I would like to hear from Jake what that comes from. And did he have some love of boxing? He's, he's been in front of you guys for, for two decades now. Did he ever mention that? And a lot of it does stem from something. I just think it would be interesting. I, th- I think there's a different way to talk to Jake now. I don't think it's about inter- entertainment and good one-liners and bets with Eddie Hearn. There's something inside of him. And if he is going to be a true competitor, and I just feel he just, I feel he just proved that he is. However this fight goes, that's a conversation for another day. I feel that he just proved that he is. People are going to be very quick particularly if he wins. I mean, it'll be it'll be before he gets out of the ring that once again he took on somebody past their prime. They're going to be very quick to do that. But I think if we're to be very fair here, we just got every box check that we ever needed to. And we're now finding out that we got a competitor on our hands. I'd like to know where it came from. He was a high school wrestler, and he was good. I believe that he was fifth in the state for Ohio. I often get these wrong because you got the brother, right? I I often get these wrong, but I believe he was fifth in the state for Ohio. I believe I was told that by AJ Agazar, who knows wrestling and he's friends with Paul. That might be what this is about. You know, that's what got Kelvin Gaslam as far as he, he went. That's what got Benson Henderson there. That's why TJ Dillashaw is still fighting today. That's why Uriah Faber got into the sport. Because they didn't reach their goals younger in life. I believe I am a product of that. And it's a very real thing. All the guys I know that were four-time state champions or an undefeated NCAA chair, a 25-year-old Olympic champ, they all got one thing in common and only one. They were done. Done by 27. There's nothing wrong with that. They just accomplished their goals. You get your goals, you get the heck out, go move on with your life. But some of these guys don't. I mean, this is coming from somewhere. You, you don't just go, you don't play boxing, guys. We can understand that, right? You don't play fighting. You don't play with Anderson Silva. You don't play with Anderson Silva for eight rounds in front of the world with your money on the line. Knowing full well That a massive part of this movement is to see you fail. I just think that you really got to give him credit. And I think that he really has to be accepted within this community. 
Anderson Silva just beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. It's unbelievable. Truly. Dana White went as far, and this is recently, this is after Dana White released Anderson. He is never going to make a dollar or do business with Anderson again. And Dana White referred to Anderson as the greatest combat athlete of all time. It Jake didn't go in there with him. It is one of these things where the, the funny guy, and he wears the weird outfit, he's throwing money around. He booked this match. You know how many guys I know that are promoters? Probably seven or eight. I'm talking about small and regional things and even stuff right around here in Portland. How many of those guys have put themselves on their own card? All of them. Oh, by the way, they put themselves as the main event. Oh, and by the way, they brought in a tomato can to squash. They're writing the checks. It's their money. They're going to do it. They're going to put themselves over. That probably makes a level of sense. Jake's writing the check to bring in a guy. Okay. <laughs> Who's taking out more men than smallpox. This is a massive problem, and he's the one doing it, and he's going to pay him to come in and show up to feed a part of the world that wants to see a young man fail. But that young man has a little boy inside him somewhere that had a dream. I don't know what it is. I think I'm close. I think it does tie back to his wrestling days. I think he took wrestling more serious than he's let people know. I don't think he loved not being in the finals within Ohio many years ago. I think that's compelling. I think that's interesting. I think that's the way we would talk to an athlete. I think that's the way we would talk to Serena Williams if we had her right now. What has driven you? Why are you still here? I think that's how we would talk to Jordan Burroughs and Simone Biles, the best of the best. I think it's time to start talking to Jake Paul different. To close out today's program, I want to look ahead to a big UFC Paris card and the main event that MMA fans have been talking about for some time. My official prediction. For Surreal Gun versus Tai Tuivasa. Tuivasa. Now, I have a hard time reconciling that within my own mind. Because Surreal Gone is better. A lot better. And isn't that the question? If you're asking who's going to win between Y and Z, aren't we just identifying who's better and then that becomes your answer? Usually, yeah. Yeah, it does. But there's a lot of intangibles and there's a lot of factors here, and I'm not sure that you guys are considering them. First off, home court advantage is a real thing to an extent. It's not at all as it's advertised and shoved to people. When the Patriots fight in New England, it's not the thing they th that's the thing that they say within the city to get people to buy tickets and come down. Hey, you can really help your guy. They're just trying to make revenue. It's not as real of a thing as gets advertised, like most things, as it gets advertised to you. But there's an extent. Now, contrary to popular belief, that home turf does not help your team to be better. But it will take away from the other side if the other side has that type of mindset. 
if he has to be cheered for, if he just has to have people saying nice things to him the day of the event, right? If you're a wimp, it's going to hurt you. And we see it time and time again. Okay. I can't put that hex on Tui Vasa because I've seen him do it. I saw him go into Houston where Derek Lewis is king. And I saw him prevail in a fight that he dealt with adversity. I just can't put that on Tui Vasa. And that's who it's going to affect. Those screaming Frenchmen are not going to make Surreal fight better. As much as if he wins and he's going to thank you and tell you it was all due to you, I'm the one that's right, okay? So I can't factor that in. The bigger thing here, and perhaps the biggest, but it's not being told this way. There's something to be said for momentum, and every fighter who loses will question himself to a degree. And we've seen it go both ways, but we've never seen it run sideways. When a guy tastes defeat, he either gets a bounce because now he is re-motivated, now he has learned, now he is hungry again. That's very real. Or a guy gets down in the dumps. We've never seen it just go sideways where that loss and that first loss didn't affect the guy. Never does it, is it, it goes one way or the other, and we're left to guess there's a question mark. That's okay. Guys deal with it all the time, but this is going to be Surreal Gone's time to deal with it. Oh, and by the way, in a main event on home soil, which adds a level of pressure. In addition, he's the favorite meaningfully. I don't know that those things factor in. It leaves a question mark, and he's taking on a great competitor. Okay, Tuivasa by comparison, is taking on a great fighter. Surreal Gone is taking on a great competitor. And when a match turns out to be harder than you thought it was going to be, you're now on who the competitor is. Who's going to dig deep and who's going to keep on pushing? I have not seen evidence that Surreal Gone is not also that guy. I see very good things from Surreal. I'm a Surreal believer, and the only reason I'm down on him is because he did such an abysmal job of his end of the bargain, of building an anticipation for his fight with Francis. I'm down on him for that. I'm down on him for being a champion of the world who was 15-0 and never been taken down and just pushed the Predator further than anybody had ever pushed the Predator and then going and burying his sand, head in the sand instead of building and adding to that. Talking about what he's going to do, talking about he's the last man standing. Talking about I go out of here, I go home, I go into practice the next day. Francis goes into a contract dispute after he gets out of surgery. For Francis Ngannou to come out and need surgery on his knee, oh, and by the way, Surreal had him in a leg lock within the fight, and to make absolutely no credit. I mean, it's just it's just annoying. But I don't think that's any reason that you guys are going to get on board with. I'm sharing my perspective of why I'm a little bit down on him. That is where this comes from. Does that have anything to do with the fight? Hmm, it's a little bit of a different question. So maybe I got a little biasy going on here. But the thing with Tuivasa, okay, is he's coming off momentum on a positive swing. Surreal is the opposite direction. Very relevant, because you don't see this a lot. There is a policy, right? It's not a rule. There is a policy. Within MMA, the guys who won their last fight take on other guys who won their last fight, and guys who lost their last fight take on guys who lost their last fight. That rule is being broken. 
and you don't see this a lot, so you don't have a whole lot to juxtapose this with. You do have examples, but you don't have a whole lot of them. They're few and far between. So Surreal, who's coming off defeat and the loss of a championship versus Tui Avasa, who's running red hot. What do you do with that? It's an intangible. What do you do with it? I don't know that Surreal has taken on a street fighter. I don't know that he even did that in his kickboxing day. Those guys are pretty polished. The checks and balances and the way you match some of those up. And yeah, you have varying skills, but you still have two guys. taking on a street fighter. He's going to hit him. He's going to kick him. Tui Vasa just doesn't care. How, how many times Tui Vasa gets kicked or he gets punched is not going to detract him from what he is then there to do, which is to step in and hit you really hard. Most guys it would. Most guys fall apart. You pick a guy apart, you frustrate him, you hit him six, seven, eight times, he hasn't touched you once, ooh, frustration starts to set in. I don't predict that that's going to happen here. And it's an interesting spot. I think that the whole match is very interesting. I think that it's a very big fight. You have the number one guy taking on the number four guy. The number one guy has plenty of fans. As a matter of fact, he's fighting at home in a sold-out arena. He gets credit for that. Oh, by the way, Tui Vasa is the biggest star the heavyweight division even has. Like, this is a big fight. And I feel as though it's not being talked about, not because you don't appreciate it, not because you're not looking forward to it. I feel as though it's not being talked about because the people that would do the talking don't want to answer the follow-up question of why are they fighting? What are you going to do if the number one guy takes out the number four guy? Because in any other division and at any other time, that guy is going to go and fight for a belt. That guy is going to go into a massive contest because he remains number one. The number one guy doesn't stop the number four guy, just so you understand. Right? You don't have championship fights and one guy stops the other guy. They're competitive. They're hard. Don't think you have to correct me. They're competitive. They're hard. Number one guy shuts off the number four guy just by example. Something big happened, but that's not the situation here. That's not even what's being looked at. Matter of fact, something else is being looked at. A guy who's never been in the division against a guy who just got knocked out within the division, that's being looked at to sidestep the number one guy who just stopped the number four guy. That's a very possible scenario. But played in reverse. The number four guy who also happens to be the biggest star within the division just took out number one. He's going to slide up. What do you do with him? That would also call for a championship match. Tell me one other time where that didn't happen. You tell me one time that number four stopped number one and did not draw in to a title fight. Tell me one time. Take all the time you need. You're not going to come up with it, but that's not what's happening here. For sure, it's not. And it's an interesting spot, and I think it could. I think it's incumbent upon them. But counting on Surreal Gone to make the right move in the media is like counting on death. So it is very different. Surreal Gone's got 50% chance of winning, just by the odds. But so does Tui Vasa. And there is something to be said for momentum. There's also something to be said for championship fights. There's something to be said for that endurance that for sure Surreal has. The Tui Vasa may not. I don't predict you have a long, drawn-out evening here. I predict you have a finish and you have an ass whipping. I just got to make a guess what way that is going to go. 
I'm taking Tui Voss. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can pull up your welcome on Spotify, give us a five-star rating, or you can head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating there. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Come back next Wednesday, because I'm not going to leave you hanging. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.